Our reading this morning is from the first letter of Peter, chapter 1, verse 13, and we'll be reading to chapter 2, verse 3. It's on page 1217. First Peter 1 Peter 1.13 Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Um, let me let me pray for us again as we come to God's word. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are privileged people. Yeah, we enjoy the privileges uh, of your creation, uh, warm summer sun today. We live in a privileged city with so many blessings uh, right on our doorstep, so many things to enjoy. 
And we also have the privileges of the gospel of your son who saves us. And yet what comes out of our mouths often is complaint and frustration. And so it's good for us uh, to stop our talking and listen to your words. I thank you that through the scriptures we have your voice from heaven in the power of the Spirit. And please would you help us to listen to it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, I need to get fitter, I've discovered. Um, walking up this hill on holiday, it was me that was out of breath as my young children were chatting all the way up. Um, I expect if I'm going to get fitter, it'll be hard work, some suffering uh, before any glorious gains. It's good to be realistic, isn't it? If you've got to do a bit of exercise. And at church this summer, we've spent time in this first chapter of 1 Peter. He's writing to people as well who need to be realistic. Uh, the Christian life has become for them in many ways a hill climb. Uh, they face trials and suffering. Uh, some of them have been just kind of, if you read through the letter, you see some of them are kind of the inconvenient, annoying things. Some are more serious. Uh, there are for some the desires to do wrong things, even though they're Christians. Uh, there's insults from people who are not Christians. You read through the letter and you'll find some face the difficulty of the person they love most, a husband or wife not being a Christian. And you know as you read in on those things that uh, they're, they're exactly the kind of experience and others with them that can give a reality check. You face them and you begin to think, does Christian faith work? Have I got it right? Is this real? And so Peter writes at the end of his letter about why he's written, he, he says these words, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Peter says this is the real deal. September next week, isn't it? Um, some things start afresh. All sorts of things will be going on. You'll be getting ready for them, gearing up soon. Before that... I want us, just as we've been through just the opening chapter of this letter, to hear again some big ideas from this helpful chapter. And three big things, a kind of big picture of Christian living, an attitude that we need to nurture, and a habit that we must practice. A big picture of Christian living, an attitude, be so helpful for us to nurture and a habit we need to practice. Here's the big picture. Peter writes in this kind of way. He says that Christian life is suffering now and glory later. I don't know if you remember how Peter began if you were here. If you look back to verse 3 in chapter 1, he talks about a future promise, and he, he says, look, now if you're trusting Jesus, you're included in God's future inheritance. It's secure, it won't lose its value, it's eternal life. The Bible sometimes calls it this word glory. But Peter's realistic, and alongside that look to future glory, he says, look, the present is a struggle. Christians may suffer. I don't know if you feel this. Whenever, whenever you're doing something, you want to know, am I doing this right? Have I got it right? Is this the way it's meant to work? In this Christian life, it's meant to save me. Have I understood salvation? And so Peter wrote in... Verses 10 and 11, if you've got the Bible open in front of you, you, you see how he begins. He says, verse 10, concerning this salvation. 
And then he tells us that the Spirit of Christ predicted the sufferings of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, and the glories that would follow. He's saying, look, as you've learned about the Lord Jesus, don't miss the reassuring pattern. Now, what's the Christian life look like? Well, look, I'll be following Jesus and like him, even some suffering, but with confident hope of future glory. Uh, Suffering now, glory later, just like Jesus. Those religious fraudsters who you hear sometimes on television channels and other places who say that if you trust God, he will always bless your body with health and your bank account with wealth. Peter says, no, they've got it wrong. That's not the true grace of God. And because of this picture, Peter writes, verse 13, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Because you're a Christian, Peter says, think right. Focus your efforts properly. I remember on one occasion asking someone uh, how I could get fitter. And they said to me, here is the big reveal. They said, eat less, exercise more. That was it. How can you get fitter? Eat less, exercise more. I mean, that's the big picture, isn't it? That's the big picture if you want to be fitter. It's not complicated. It's not really hard to work out. And yet I still struggle. Flapjacks appear in my hand uh, miraculously. The Christian life big picture is clear it's often suffering now glory later that that's the way it works following jesus a crucified savior who who himself struggled that's the big picture of the christian life but i still find the present hard so so peter says look here's here's an attitude you must nurture and it's this don't live as if you don't know god you, you track that through from verse 14 onwards. It's what Peter's getting at. He says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. He says, No, you know God. Don't, don't live like you don't. And you kind of wonder, do we need to be told that? Do I need to be told as a Christian, don't live as if you don't know God? Here's what he's saying. He's saying to us, God wants us to be like him. See verse 15? But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. God is holy. He's perfect in his purity. He thinks in a good way. It's different to the way this world thinks. There's nothing evil in him. His justice is never biased. He's motivated by his own love and he's like that all the time. And he says to you, I want you to be like me, holy, all the time, because I'm holy. Are you aiming for that? To imitate the consistent love that God shows, the faithfulness that Jesus Christ displayed, even when he was under pressure. Aiming for holiness in relationships with your boyfriend, with your wife, with work colleagues. Or have you found yourself, even over these summer months, becoming sarcastic again? Thoughtless in the way you make decisions. Been unforgiving this past week. And what are you like when you go to work? 
Do you let it be known that you're a Christian? I don't, I don't mean being irritating with it. If you work here at Christ Church, you probably do let it be known that you're a Christian, but it's easier for us in that regard, isn't it? But the rest of you out on the front lines feels harder, doesn't it? Or is your Christianity taken off like, like a jacket as soon as you, you walk through the doors of work or through the doors of school when that comes? And if you can relate to that at all, you begin to feel the helpful question Peter's asking. Do you ever live as if you don't know God? And I might not say it out loud, but the excuses pop up in my head. It's, it's too hard. I'll stick out. People will laugh. You don't know what it's like for me. I can't be like God. And Peter would say to us, no, God's rescued us so we can be like him. Do you see verse 17? That's what the apostle is saying. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Peter says, and look, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you might think this is outrageous, but here it is. Peter says, before you're a Christian, your life is empty. There's nothing to it. So in what sense would you mean that? You know when you go to buy something, uh, you're looking around for something, there's various options, and you, you, you maybe pick it up to feel the weight of it, to get a feel of it, and you, you hold it, and you, you just pick up something, and you think it's flimsy, it's a bit too plasticky, I can tell the way it's made, it looks good, but it's just too plasticky and flimsy, it feels hollow and empty, there's no substance to it, there's no weight, I'm not buying that, I'm not spending my money on that. Well, Peter's saying one day God will judge people and he'll be impartial and he'll, he'll pick up our lives and he will weigh them to see if there's anything there of any kind of lasting substance and he, he won't be interested in the temporary things of this life, things like money, success, good looks, power. Peter's already said those things fade away anyway. No, he's interested to see what's become of lives that were created to share God's life. Lives that were created to grow more like him in character and love and joy. But he'll, he'll find them empty, hollow, flimsy. They'll have nothing of value for eternity. And you and I were headed that way, but Peter says, you Christians, you Christians, don't you know You were redeemed from that way of life. God rescued you. He saw all this emptiness and he decided to do something about it. So he went shopping for people. And you could say he spent all he had on you. Do you see verse 18? Just look at it again. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you but with the precious blood of Christ. You sometimes hear people say things like this, don't you? Oh, God, God loves you and he accepts you just the way you are. You have that kind of thing? God, God accepts you just the way they are, but 
really, you've got to be careful because that is quite misleading because there's nothing in us of any weight. There is nothing in you and I of any weight that could allow a holy God to just accept us. No, rather, God redeems and receives us graciously only in and through Jesus Christ. You've felt the way sin works, haven't you, if you're a Christian? The way something wrong tempts you. You know the way it does that. The way, the way something wrong tempts you is to kind of persuade you that this will fill your life up. The relationship that's conducted illicitly, the sites you look at on the internet privately, the grudge you nurse carefully, and the tempter comes to you and says, give into them. Give into them and they will fill you up. They will satisfy. But you and I, you and I, we've discovered, haven't we? You and I have discovered that they don't fill us up. They leave us empty and far from God. And that's what our lives outside of Christ were like. And God doesn't accept you the way you are. No, he's done something that makes us more secure. He accepts us, not on the basis of our empty lives, but on the basis of Jesus Christ's perfect, overflowing, boundless life that was poured out on the cross for you, even you. His life poured out even for you even for me, sinful man that I am, the Son of God from heaven, perfect and gracious, enjoying the love of the Father through all eternity, and he comes and pours out his life on the cross, even for you, even for you to buy you, to buy you back, so he could fill your life up. Fill your life up. Up with good things. Jesus has come to redeem you in order to fill your life properly. If you're a Christian, God has bought you. You belong to him. But he's bought you teenagers. Those of you who are younger, he's bought you teenagers not to keep you living in an empty way of life, but to start filling your life with his kind of life. Our living for him is not what saves us. Uh, The stuff we do, it's never those things that make us acceptable in any way to God. But if we have been saved, if we have been bought for him, it's so that we can live for him. And the more we understand what God has done for us in Jesus, substituted his perfect life for our empty ones, we'll we'll begin to display a kind of, well, how does Peter put it in verse 17? If you've got it, just have a look down. He he says these words, We'll, we'll begin to display a kind of reverent fear. What does he mean by that? I I think the sense is we'll we'll start to say to God, please help me to be like you. Do you pray that? Do you pray with that kind of reverent fear? Those of you who are dads, do you pray that? Heavenly Father, please help me to be like you in the way I parent my children and the way I take the share at home. Do you you pray that way in the the way I, I love my spouse? Help me to be like you, to live the way you want me to. Those of you who are single, do you pray that kind of way with the, the challenges and difficulties that can come as you live life as a single person? At the time you, you feel it as you look to others with families and you see what appears to you all their gain and all your lack and the sadness that it brings, do you pray with reverent fear, Heavenly Father, please help me to be like you. Help me not to become bitter. 
Help me to continue to serve with joy and trust you through life. Those of you who are younger, the beginning of your life, with all that's before you, do you pray? Have you started to pray with that kind of reverent fear? Heavenly Father, as I grow, as I trust the Lord Jesus, please help me to live like you, to be holy as I make decisions. And Peter says, don't live as if you don't know God. And you might be thinking, well, that's all very well, but I don't seem to be changing very much. I've been a Christian for some time, and I don't seem to be getting very holy. holy. Look, final encouragement as we, as we get to the end of the summer from Peter. And it's a habit that we, we must practice. Because Peter says this to us, look, God's word, God's word brings life and growth. Think for a moment, those of you who are Christians, think back to how you became a Christian. I imagine some of you could point to a date. You could say it was on this date. I remember the time. I remember where it was. Others don't know when it was. But for many of you, you'll have had an experience, something like this. Things about Jesus just seemed to click into place. It felt like that. You, you worked it out. You got it. That, that's what it feels like for us. This Christian life, the penny dropped. Oh, yes. But Peter explains what happened. You see what he says in verse 22, if you've got it open in front of you. He says, you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. And then you look on to verse 23. He says, for you have been born again. And then he ends it this way, through the living and enduring word of God. Peter says something like this happened. You heard or read or were told God's word, something of the good news about Jesus, his death and resurrection for you. That perfect life substituted for your empty life. And God worked in you through that word by his Holy Spirit and convinced you. And the moment you believed that, the moment you really trusted Jesus, Peter mentions a couple of things that happened. He says you were purified, washed clean spiritually. Like a, I guess the spiritual equivalent of a, of a power shower, you know the kind that just bruises you, but you know the dirt is just being washed off. He said, like that, he forgave you because of Jesus and you were born again. What does he mean by that? You can tell by my intentions from the beginning of the sermon and just by looking at me that now I'm a potential fitness fanatic. That's what I'm like. But if I'm honest, if I'm honest... Doing exercise, it often feels like an unnatural thing for me. Doing exercise slightly feels like I'm asking my body to do something it was never designed to do. And some people feel that way about the Christian life, don't they? As if they're being asked to do something that they were never intended to do, that it's not natural. But that's not right if you're a Christian, because Peter says you've been born again through God's word. And what he means is you've been reborn as someone who now says yes to what God says. You've noticed that, haven't you? You started thinking to yourself, what, what does God say I should do in this situation? It started with that first, yes, I will tra- trust Jesus. You've been purified and born again, or if you like, you've been forgiven and changed. God did that in you through his word. And you think, well, how does that help with holiness? Well, here's what it tells us. It tells us, look, Christian growth is inevitable because of God's word. Uh, See what Peter says happened when these people he's writing to obeyed the truth. Verse 22, he says, "Now now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that, here's the evidence of it, so that you have sincere love for each other. They've changed. Become a Christian and it will change you. 
It's one of the ways you know you really believe God's word. And and Peter explains why he describes God's word like an imperishable seed, verse 23. I used to live in Sheffield, and outside the house that I had there, there was a a wall, a small wall, and a seed must have got into a little tiny bit of soil in amongst the bricks. Bricks are hard. Seeds are tiny thing. But over time, a tree grew out because I wasn't very good at gardening. I couldn't even pull a little weed out of a wall. But over time, that seed grew into a tree and it eventually broke the wall down, the, the inevitable strength of the seed. And you think about your sin, the things that you struggle with, and they feel like immovable solid walls. Nothing will shift them. I'll never be like God. And Peter says, Be encouraged. Be encouraged. God's word is powerful. Christian growth is inevitable because of God's word. And just to be practical for a moment, I, I imagine that if, if all of us think of things we struggle with, we'll all come up with something at the top that we're ashamed of. Wish it wasn't there. Wish it could move away. Don't make that the total measurement of your growth as a Christian. Growth takes time. If you keep struggling with temper or with greed or with a sharp tongue, keep struggling. But don't stop rejoicing in other signs of growth. Your love for other Christians, your use of gifts, your generosity that God is working in you. Be encouraged. Christian growth is inevitable because of God's word. But when the Bible gives encouragement, it's never so we take things easy. God expects us to act responsibly. And so Peter says to us as well that Christian growth must be encouraged with God's word. Uh, What are people who've started loving others told to do in verse 22? Do you see? Uh, They're told to, well, love one another deeply, to keep going with it. Uh, What are people who've been born again, so they say yes to God, told to do in chapter 2, verse 1? Well, it's to say no to malice, deceit, hypocrisy. And the picture changes from seeds to food. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Uh, Several babies have been born in our church family this year. One of the questions you always ask, isn't it? Are are they feeding well? Are they gaining weight? Are they becoming a chunker? We're nervous about babies who don't feed well. So let me ask you, Christian at Christ Church, how's your appetite for spiritual things? How's your appetite for God's word? Are you feeding well? Start of another academic year. Back at school, back at work. Uh, Those of you who are are working at Tyndale House or in some place studying theology, you've wonderful Christian resources there. But make sure the Bible is not just the thing you use for work. Uh, Those of you who work in the military, many of the church family, you're involved in the military, the rotors you've got make, make life hard to organize at times. Make sure you feed well spiritually. Prioritize church whenever Sundays are free. Those of you who are young mums, you're exhausted a lot of the time. Dads, here's the thing. Give them a break. And not just to go make a cup of tea. Not just to go and sit down and watch TV for a bit. Why not say to him, let let me look after them. And why don't you just take five minutes to go and read the Bible for a bit and listen to your heavenly Father. Get into those habits. God's word, it brings life and growth. 
Some things are pick-me-ups, aren't they? Some things are pick-me-ups, some things are build-me-ups. Chocolate, coffee, social media, pick-me-ups, instant rush. You can't live off them. Healthy diet with exercise. That's a build-me-up. They're a bit boring at times, and they take longer. God's word. God's word is a build-me-up. Give it time to bring you to Christ and he will fill you with life and growth. The Christian life can be hard at times. Big picture. Suffering now. Glory later. A key attitude to nurture. Don't start living as if you don't know God. And a good habit. Crave God's words that will help you grow. I'm going to stop here. If you're taking notes, here's a couple of questions. I'll pop them up. Here's a couple of questions. You might want to talk with each other afterwards or during the week, maybe at home or with friends. You can think about these. When do you feel tempted? When do you feel tempted to live as if you don't know God? And here's a second one. How has God helped or encouraged you through his words? Maybe over the summer. They'd be good questions just to think about and talk about with each other. Uh, Let's pray. The music group are going to come back up um, before we sing our closing hymns. But let me lead us in a prayer together. Going to Sunday school up in Glasgow in the 1970s, we used to sing this funny little song that said this, God who made the air, God who made the earth, the air, the sky, the sea, who gave the light its birth, careth for me. It went on, God who made the sun, the moon, the stars is he, who when life's clouds come on, careth for me. God who sent his son to die on Calvary, he, if I lean on him, will care for me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you bring it to us with the power of your spirit to help us trust and believe it. And please would you help us not to live as if we don't know you, but would you feed us from your word so that we might be filled up with the goodness and joy and glory that are ours in the Lord Jesus so that we might live for him. Amen. We're going to sing two words.